Welcome to Running Up the Score. I'm Alex Kennedy. This is my show where we talk all things sports. Today, I'm joined by two excellent guests. First, I'm joined by Jeremiah Fears, a five-star prospect who just committed to Illinois. Then I'm joined by Jacob Rude, the site manager for Silver Screen and Roll, who does a great job covering the Los Angeles Lakers. Let's get to my interview with Jeremiah. Jeremiah, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Uh, I have to congratulate you. You recently committed to Illinois. Uh, I saw another interview. You said that they started recruiting you when you were in eighth grade. Can you kind of tell the story of, of, you know, how they recruited you and what made you decide to to commit to Illinois? Um, I'm pretty sure I want to say it was a home game. Um, One day they just showed up and they were front row. I guess they heard a lot about me. Uh, As Coach said, when I first talked to him, they heard a lot about me. Um, he showed up to one of my home games. And it was a surprise to me as well because they didn't really tell me that he was pulling up to the game or that he was even going to be front row. So it was just a big surprise to me and my family as well. That's your hometown school. What did it mean when they started recruiting you and now to be you know, committed there, be able to play for them? What does that mean to you? Um, it means a lot to me. Um, growing up in Illinois, uh, watching the home games, watching the teams they had previous, and just knowing that I can have opportunity to go in and change my life and change everybody else around me. Like, I'm curious. I've talked to a lot of players about their recruiting experience and, you know, there's crazy stories and how intense it is. Um, are you happy it's over, first of all? And then what was it like for you? How crazy did it get? Yes, sir. Um, we got real crazy. A lot of coaches started reaching out um, as the process began and throughout the whole process. A lot of them was reaching out. Um, I took a couple visits. It was a great experience from all of the schools. Um, I think they all showed love, all of the coaching staffs. The facilities were off the chart from every school. Um, and it was just it was just a lot. It was overwhelming. Um, a lot of different schools you can choose and pick from. And just being able to narrow it down to a couple options and then finally find the right fit for me. It's a great problem to have. It's a great kind of crazy, uh, obviously. Yes, uh, I'm curious, when did you start to realize that, uh, you know, playing at a, a top program and playing D1 basketball could really be a realistic option for you? Like, was there a certain moment or, you know, year when you kind of realized, hey, I might actually be able to separate myself from my peers and play at a high level? Um, I want to say it was eighth grade. Mm. Uh, we had a couple of tournaments in the summer. Um, at this time, I want to say I was about five, seven and I was good. But, like, I wasn't sure if I was going to grow anymore. So it was a little self-doubt. But after I grew, I was like, okay, now I might actually have a chance of playing college basketball and not just college basketball, but D1. So I was like, I started to get in the gym every day, um, lifting every day with my coach, old high school coach, um, working out with my dad, my trainer, and just taking it serious. Every time I had a chance or opportunity to go to the gym, I took advantage of it and stayed in the gym and stayed working. Your brother Jeremy plays at Michigan State. Uh, how much did that help you too? Having another, you know, high level athlete your age in the house where I'm sure you guys had a, a lot of battles and kind of made each other better. How yes, much sir. did that help you? Um, it helped me a lot. Um, he's taught me a lot. And just talking to him about the whole uh, process and how it was for him. He gave me a lot of details and he gave me a lot of great information that I think um, helped me out with picking the right decision for me. What's been the reaction since you announced? Uh, I know nowadays, especially, there's so many you know fans following you on social media, and, and you hear from different 
people from the school and some of the school you turned down. What's been the reaction just overall since you made your announcement? Um, I think a lot of people was happy for me that I made the, the, the right. A lot of people think I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. I think I made the right decision. And of course, some people that feel like I made the wrong decision, but I just got to show them like, that I made the right decision. That was the best fit for me. For people that don't know about your game uh, or, you know, aren't super familiar yet, what would you say you bring to a team on and off the floor? Um, I would say I bring on the floor a leader, a competitor, um, a winner, and a dog. Um, off the floor, I would say um, a very funny, chill, calm kid. Um, I think I have a great personality. Personality. Um, I think I'm a great kid. And people that know me or people that's going to get to know me, they, they would say I'm a great person off the court as well. ESPN named you a five-star prospect, number 16 player in the 2025 yeah. class. When you saw that you were named a five-star prospect by them, you know, what did that mean to you? What, you know, how did you get that news? Um, I want to say I was on my way to the gym with my parents, and I had just seen it, and I was like, wow. Um, it's a dream come true as a kid growing up watching basketball and, and especially by ESPN, it was just like a dream come true. But you watch a lot of the, um, upcoming kids and the classes before and previous years and be like, wow, if I ever had the opportunity to be in that position, it would be a blessing. So, and it means a lot as well, because, um, you know, that the hard work that you put in night in and night out is finally starting to pay off. Speaking of the hard work, I feel like a lot of fans don't realize just how much hard work goes in behind the scenes or sacrifices that you have to make when you are a top prospect. You know, they just see the end result. Can you kind of share some of the journey behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize that kind of goes into everything that you've accomplished? Um, It's a lot. Uh, You have the early mornings, late nights after a long day of school, um, the extra work before practice, after practice. On the weekends, maybe if you're tired or you could be even sore from the past week, games, practice, workouts and stuff like that, you still got to get in the gym to be better and always perfect your craft. Do you feel like you have to almost grow up quickly, too, because you're not only trying to convince all these colleges, you know, that you're a top prospect, but also in the social media age, you know, any little thing can, uh, you know, hurt your stock or there's all this attention on you, all these followers, you know, do you feel like you almost have to like mature quickly too? Yes, sir. Um, I feel like with, it's a lot that comes with the following and the stuff like that, uh, especially being uh, a good athlete or highly ranked kid. It's a lot that come with it. Um, you have to protect your profile, protect your brand and protect yourself as well. Um, and I think anything you do, that can anything that you do bad can like really hurt you or hurt your stock. So just trying to put yourself in the best position as possible. Yeah. And like you said, even from like eighth grade on, which is crazy. I mean, a lot of people uh, make mistakes in eighth grade. So there's definitely you're you're under a microscope uh, in in your position. Um, You mentioned, you know, watching a lot of basketball. I'm curious, who are some players that, you know, you kind of grew up watching or studying and who are some current players now that are your favorite players? Um, I grew up watching, High school, uh, I grew up watching Sharif Cooper. I try to, like, take a couple of his moves and stuff like that, his play style, and try to add it onto my game. Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving, um, Bones Highland, 
Yeah, I would say those. And Trey Young, I would say those like the main five guys I try to model my game after and I grew up watching as a young a young athlete. It's so funny you mentioned Bones Highland because when I watch your highlights, that's someone that I see a lot of. And obviously Steph Curry and other influences too, but I got to know, I'm, I'm close with Bones and I interviewed him when he was in your position and stuff. Yes, so sir. I've been a fan of him for a long time. I think one of the things I love about Bones too is he's just a basketball junkie. Like he's yeah, playing yeah. pickup even when he's not, you know, at practice or anything like that. He's just trying to get on a court and and play pickup and, and get in runs and stuff like that. Um, can you kind of talk about your love of basketball and how that started? Um, it really started when I was, I want to say three or four. Uh, I was on overseas with my father. He had a couple games. He was playing professional and just watching him and him like talking to us, coming home, uh, with his jersey, headbands and stuff like that. It just really made me fall in love with the game. And ever since, um, I just took it serious and stayed in the gym and continued to work. And I think and I don't think I know my dad inspired me to play the game I love today. So. What advice has he given you over the years? And do you think seeing him achieve his dreams of playing professional basketball and realizing, you know, it's possible, do you think that kind of gave you confidence that you could do the same thing? Yes, sir. Um, I grew up watching him. Um, he always trains us when when he can. He always gives us advice. He calls me. Um, even though I'm far away now, he always calls me, give me advice. Um, he watch all, all the, the games, practices, and he really just like send me videos and clips on things he think I could work on, get better at. And he made sure that I stay in the gym and continue working. You mentioned being far from your family. That's another sacrifice that, you know, a lot of people don't realize, uh, you know, how, how tough is that aspect of it? You know, the off court stuff where you are having to go travel to play at different schools and, you know, be away from your, your family, your hometown friends, things like that. I miss a lot. Um, you know, at times, you know, you can miss them. You miss your siblings, your parents, your grandparents, your cousins, family, and just know you sacrifice for the better. And, you know, one day, hopefully you'll be able to like take them with you to like all of the big games and big events and stuff like that. And yeah. I think it's, it could be the it could be the good or bad, depending on the person. Everybody is different, but I think it's been a good experience for me. Just um, it's like college. I get to be away from my family, learning a lot, and just know I'm sacrificing for the better. Yeah, it's a great point. You're basically putting yeah. in like an extra college, uh, you know, earlier college, basically, yes, but sir. it's all for the greater good. Um, you know, for for your own career and everything. What would it mean to you? Obviously, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here and you have a college career ahead of you, but what would it mean to follow in your, your dad's footsteps and play professionally or pro play in the NBA someday? Um, it would be a dream come true uh, watching him and just watching all his old highlights and stuff like that. I always dreamed of playing professional basketball, no matter if it's overseas, NBA, just being a professional athlete. Um, I think it would be something that I can check off my box list. For sure. Uh, I'm curious, what aspects of your game are you still working on? You know, things that you're trying to improve as you kind of prepare to enter college? Um, just continue being a leader, talking and learning how to how to talk to your teammates and stuff like that. Because when you get to college, you're going to be playing with guys that's a lot older than you. And sometimes they might not want to listen to you because you're a freshman or because you're younger than them. So just learning how to talk to people and 
um, continue being a leader. Well, Jeremiah, again, congratulations. Uh, I'm rooting for you uh, and good luck at Illinois. Thank you. Thank you to Jeremiah for joining me. Now I'm joined by a guest to talk all things Los Angeles Lakers. He's the site manager for Silver Screen and Roll. He is Jacob Rude. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing good. It's a it's a much better time to talk about the Lakers after the win over Boston than uh, I guess uh, even earlier in the week in most points this season. Let's talk about that win. I think people were surprised seeing the shorthanded Lakers give the Celtics their their third loss at home this season. What went right in that game to you, and is that something the Lakers can build off of? Well, obviously, Austin Reeves having a, a huge night was um, something he hasn't done often this season. He, he's had back-to-back strong games. He struggled a bit this year, uh, had a couple slumps, and really hasn't kind of taken another step forward like I think the Lakers and most people expected. Um, there were a number of other things. The Lakers talked after the back-to-back losses to the Rockets and the Hawks about defense and communication on that end of the floor, and I thought that that was a drastically better showing defensively against the Celtics than a, they had against either the Rockets or Hawks. Uh, so I think that was huge, and then they really played with pace, and that's something that Darvin Ham's talked about this season, uh, just wanting to get out Uh, get going quicker. That's a lot easier to do when you get those defensive stops, Uh, but they were doing it after makes and misses, and certainly those last two things, the defense and the kind of getting out and playing with pace uh, are replicable when LeBron and AD are back. Um, There's just, um, it's not something they've been able to do a whole lot. So uh, I think it was a encouraging win because it is a number of things that they can continue to do. But yeah, what a what a fun one to to win in Boston. So right now the Lakers are 25 and 25, ninth best record in the Western Conference. Uh, right now they rank 15th in defense, 20th in offense. I feel like there's so much going on in Lakerland right now. You have LeBron's tweet the other night. Today, Rich Paul comes out and says LeBron won't be traded. We never asked to be traded. There's the Darvin Ham conversation. There's just so much to get to. Let's start with LeBron. What was your reaction when you saw that tweet the other night? Uh, for anyone that missed it, it was the hourglass emoji. Uh, very late at night, uh, a cryptic tweet, which LeBron is fantastic at, as we know, over the years. Um, and people were wondering, is this related to his future? Uh, is this related to Darvin Ham? Maybe time running out for Darvin Ham? What was your reaction? And what do you make of kind of the conversation surrounding that tweet? It's always around this time of year, right around the trade deadline, that LeBron is at his most cryptic on social media. So uh, you could take it any number of ways. It, I don't know that LeBron maybe not didn't even really know what it, it, he was referring. It could mean any of the number of things. Um, I kind of interpreted it as like, look, my time is running out. I want to be a, on a contender, like do something type of thing. Um but there's any number of ways. I gave probably the answer to that is yes. Like everything you said, <laughs> it probably applies to all of that because, as you said, there's a lot of things going on in Lakerland right now, and uh, it's been a lot of kind of turmoil and uh, a lot of rumors and whatnot. So um, I'm sure it's just LeBron kind of saying like, "Look, I don't have many more years of doing this. Let's get things together." What do you think of LeBron's future? Because he can opt out after the season, become a free agent. There's obviously been the talk about how he wants to play with his son. Um, you know, who knows if that would be next year uh, if his son enters the draft. Um, 
So there have been a lot of talk of like, okay, could this be his last year with the Lakers? Uh, if his son does get drafted, does he go sign with his son next year? Um, you know, I think the comment from Rich Paul should quiet things down a little bit, but I think Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer wrote a piece about how they should trade him, try to get stuff back in return, rather than like letting him walk for nothing, essentially. What are your thoughts on LeBron's future and what the Lakers should do? Well, I don't think that they're... The only way they trade him is if LeBron ask them to be traded. I, I don't ever see a version of a deal going down where they trade him without him wanting to be. Um, that's just, more than anything. That's just not how the Lakers have kind of operated. And especially under Jeannie bus, if you look back to how they treated Kobe in his final years and whatnot, it was a, a lot of the same way. So if he doesn't ask to be traded, I don't think the Lakers are, are going to trade him. Where things go after this season is certainly interesting because they're obviously all the talk from LeBron himself about playing with Bronny and wanting to be on the same team as him. He said a lot of that, and then he kind of started to to walk a little bit of it back in a number of ways. He said um, he said that that was his dream, and he wasn't sure if it was Bronny's dream, and that he was kind of aware of that. And he also said that he wanted to share a court with Bronny, which is a lot different than wanting to team up with him. Maybe it's as simple as um, playing against him. And he kind of made that distinction in talking about it. So I think that he, it's been pretty intentional, him walking it back and then not really mentioning it at all as he's talked about Bronny. And I think um, there's a lot of variables there, whether Bronny even enters the draft this year. Right. Um, I, I know he's been playing well at USC, but he also ended up going to only play about half a season or so, maybe two-thirds of a season. So uh, I know it's a weak draft, so maybe he enters and is still kind of a high draft pick. There's a lot of variables there. Ultimately, right now, I'd be pretty surprised if he left L.A. I think um, – I mean, to be frank, I – I think it's pretty clear that it hasn't been a basketball decision for quite a while. The Lakers have struggled quite a bit since winning that title, and he has stayed with the team. I think he has another son that is in high school in L.A. His family is pretty settled in L.A. at this point, and uh, I think that's where he he wants to live. So I don't know that he's going to want to go ring chasing living elsewhere he talks all the time about how important family is to him and I don't know that he wants to live across the country from his family for nine months of the season or however it may be so um, I would be surprised right now unless it is simply to go team up with LeBron or with uh, Bronny if he leaves the Lakers but I, I don't <laughs> he's given the Lakers a lot like the Lakers have gotten pretty lucky with this and that they haven't earned a lot of things since winning that title, and he's been very kind to them. So I, I, at some point, they may push it too far, and he may finally say, all right, I want to I compete. But right now, I, I don't see him leaving the Lakers, whether that is picking up his option at the end of the season or continuing to sign one plus one type of deals. The point about it being his dream and not Bronny's dream is interesting because yeah. that would put a ton of pressure on Bronny. And that's been a yeah. conversation for a couple of years now. Like, even if Bronny isn't playing that well and enters the draft, you know, how high would he go just because some owner is like, that's an amazing marketing plan to have LeBron and his son. You know, uh, yep. if you're going to get one or two years of LeBron, essentially, is it worth reaching on Bronny by however many picks 
So, and, and then also the conversation would be just so much about LeBron uh, versus his son. He might, I mean, if, if who knows, maybe behind the scenes, Bronny has expressed that and maybe he wants to kind of start his own career and kind of do things on his own without kind of being in his father's shadows. That's interesting. That The fact that he's kind of saying that now, I wonder if maybe a conversation was had or if maybe he's kind of viewing it a little bit differently now than he always had before. Now that it is looking, you know, like a realistic possibility, there are different factors you have to, uh, you know, think about. So that's interesting. I, I didn't see he made those uh, those comments recently, but I could see that, uh, you know, maybe changing things a little bit. Um, I want to ask you about Darvin Ham because I feel like Laker fans are very frustrated. Um, I've always loved Darvin. I think he's a really nice guy and someone that's easy to root for. But I also get the frustration with his rotations. I think also from like a messaging standpoint, sometimes he doesn't explain some of the decisions that he's making. And I know that's kind of made fans crazy because they, they want to know why are you sticking with this lineup or why will you refuse to go to this uh, new lineup? And he just kind of won't break it down or, or won't go in depth and kind of share that reasoning. Um, so fans are kind of pulling their hair out. What do you think of the job that uh, Darvin has done? And do you think we could see uh, the Lakers fire him at some point this season? Darvin's um, certainly in an interesting spot right now because um, I very much do not think he gets enough credit for what he did in the playoffs last year, getting the Lakers to the Western Conference Finals. That wasn't simply LeBron leading them or anything like that. There was a lot of things, a lot of – it was a chess game in a number of different ways throughout the playoffs that Darvin Ham got the Lakers past the Grizzlies, but I think more more impressive was – his coaching performance against the Warriors and Steve Kerr and the kind of back and forth battle of the Warriors wanting to get AD out of the paint and how the Lakers kind of combated that and things. So I didn't think he got enough credit for what he did in the playoffs. Now, that being said, there's been some frustrating things he's done this season as well that I think he he deserves some blame on. And um, whether it is some of the rotations and some of the lineups he hasn't gone to, um, specifically the the five-man group that got the Lakers to that Western Conference Finals last year, um, they have shared the floor, I, I believe it's under 30 minutes total this season. There has been a lot of that due to injuries. Um, Jared Vanderbilt being out for the first about almost third of the season, really. Um, really hurt that, and he came back playing injured. He was on a minutes restriction for quite a while, so that really limited how much that they could play that lineup. But it's things like that. It, it's he certainly has guys he prefers um, in the rotation, and a lot of that you might be able to overlook a little bit if the team's winning or, or playing well. But when the team isn't playing well, all that gets amplified, and so. Um, he's been kind of this lightning rod for, for so much of the, the, of the Lakers struggles this year. There have been some things out of his control when it's come to injuries and the way they've happened with, it's just a a lot of different role players coming in and a new guy goes out and it's made it difficult to have any kind of consistency, but also he's had LeBron and AD for way more than I think uh, people have expected. So I don't think this season during the season, I should say, he gets fired. Um, it's going to be real interesting to see how the season plays out, what the Lakers do, if they get to the postseason, and how that plays out because time that they have with LeBron left, um, who they 
I don't know if they can afford these kind of curves. Darvin is a second year head coach, and I think he has a lot of positives to him, but can the Lakers afford to kind of keep having these learning curve type of moments when you're trying to compete for a title? I'm not sure that they can. So it's, it's a really, I think critical, however many games the Lakers have left about 30 games left uh, this season for them. Plus the postseason for Darvin to, to really solidify that, yeah, I can kind of be that guy to to get you back to title contention, really. And the previous 50 games haven't given a lot of um, encouragement, I guess, in that regard or optimism. But uh, I think this is a really important stretch for him. And le- unless he goes on a, a losing streak of four, five, six, seven games, I, I don't think he's gone this year. But I, I don't think that necessarily means he's safe come this offseason. Yeah, it's so tough, too, because on one hand, you're right, you know, they are uh, the window to kind of win with LeBron is so small now that they have to make the most of it. But then you could also make the argument that changing coaches midseason and trying to kind of do what the Bucks are doing yeah. right now with Doc Rivers and, you know, Rivers, I think he even said recently, like, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, trying to implement a system and learn the yeah. players and all that, you know, happy through the season. That's also really difficult. So it's there's no easy answer, really. Uh, they, they probably are just hoping he can turn things around and. Uh, that's, that's the simple solution. Um, but I get Laker fans being frustrated too. I guess my question for you, the trade deadline's coming up February 8th. There's a lot of rumors. Um, you know, it feels like every big name is always attached to the Lakers. Uh, and some (laughs) of that is, you know, I'm sure for page views, some of that is agents like in free agency linking their uh, player to the Lakers. We always see that kind of stuff. How much, I guess, what would you do if you're the Lakers to write the ship, um, from like a rotation standpoint, from a transactional standpoint, um, what would be your plan to kind of get things back on track this season? So I think that it's a tough question because I still like a lot of the core of this team. Injuries have played a role in their struggles this year, but it's also, I think, clear something needs to change. Um, they really need a ball handler, I think, which is what Gabe Vincent was supposed to be. So if, I guess if you think he's going to be back soon, maybe you don't make a move for that, but they have been linked to Tyus Jones, to Terry Rozier, to Marcus Smart uh, recently as well. So I think it's pretty clear that they feel the same, that they need another kind of guard. Um, Backup center is a spot that they need as well. Jackson Hayes played really well against the Celtics, but he has really struggled this season. And the Lakers um, haven't been able to use any sort of like two big lineups. They they've used Christian Wood as more more of a backup center as they've gone on in the season, and he had success alongside AD early in the season. They haven't really had that luxury because Hayes has struggled so much. So. I wouldn't be surprised. They haven't been linked to many backup centers in the trade market, but that seems to be more likely maybe a buyout type of thing. So um, there's obviously the DeJounte Murray kind of trade that is out there. It really seems that D'Angelo Russell may have played his way out of those trade talks with his really strong January. Mm -hmm. Um, If he's not someone that they're going to trade for, they have been all the way out on Zach Levine for quite a while now. I don't know that there's kind of a big splashy trade for them to make. 
Maybe it's someone like a Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal, two guys that they've been linked to with the Nets. Um, but I think it's going to be more about finding ball handling and three-point shooting, at two things that they've struggled with this season in trying to kind of fix maybe some of the defensive issues as well. But uh, a lot of this, as I said, also depends on when they expect Gabe Vincent back because you're going – they expected him to be someone that was important to this rotation. And he basically hasn't played this season. He played a little bit at the very beginning of the season, came back for one game and realized his knee wasn't healed. And he's been out for most of this season. So um, any move they make, I mean, Gabe Vincent's under contract for three more years. I I don't know that they want to bring in a ball handler that is kind of a long-term solution, but maybe that's probably what makes someone like Tyus Jones more intriguing because he is a uh, a free agent at the end of the season. So um, it's going to, it's an interesting spot that the team is in because they thought that they were going for continuity and a a core that could get them to the Western conference finals this summer. And now here they are at 25 and 25. So how much do they kind of break up that continuity? How much do they try to mix things up a little bit? It's a, it's a really interesting spot. This team is in, I don't know what I would do because um, I don't know that there's a kind of a clear cut like this has to change type of solution right now. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think the other factor, too, is there's just I talked about this in the show before, but there's so few sellers right now. Uh, there's a ton yeah. of buyers with the play in tournament. Every team feels like, oh, maybe we could go on a run and, and get our team either some playoff experience or contend for a championship. So it's tough in a market like this where you only have a couple sellers, uh, you know, prices are going to be up. Uh, they have a lot of competition for every, you know, key player uh, that they could be going after. So I'm curious to see, with, you know, the trade deadline in general, what it's going to be like. If there's going to be, you know, there's always a lot of rumors, but are we going to see many trades? I, I don't know if we're going to see that many compared to a typical year. Uh, last question for you. This is not basketball related at all. You host a podcast called The Last of Us Nerds. I love the show The Last of Us. I'll admit, I didn't play the video game. I, I just came on with the show, uh, but I thought it was fantastic and I can't wait for season two. Uh, thoughts on season one, how they kind of uh, transitioned from the video game to the show and just overall thoughts on on what you saw on screen. Yeah, I absolutely, I had high expectations. I'm someone that has played the game many, many, many times. And so I was um, looking at it under kind of a fine microscope and I was blown away by how good it was. Um, they nailed all the really important parts from the game and transitioning it over to uh, the TV screen. And so I loved, uh, I love the first season so much. I would strongly suggest anyone who hasn't to play the video game, especially to kind of hold you over right now. Cause there's still a lot, it's a, it still had a different feel, but, um, I was blown away by, by how good it was and how much it still felt like at the core kind of the video game that I, I have loved, and I am – Pedro Pascal, Bella Ramsey were absolutely incredible. I am so, so excited for season two, but unfortunately it's going to be quite a while before we get that. But um, it was such a good first season. It, it was so much fun, and it was fun to see other people kind of fall in love with a, a, a TV show, a video game, a story – uh, that I have enjoyed for so long as well. Yeah, I definitely need to play the game. I think because I hadn't played the game and I didn't really know much about it, I was stunned whenever 
you know, there were all these surprises. I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah. there were certain episodes yeah. where I'm just like blown away and did not see it coming at all. So, um, but that's one reason maybe I don't want to play the game because going forward, I like having <laughs> no surprises. So maybe I'll wait till the series is over, then I'll go back and play the game. But no, it's a it's a great show. Anyone that loves the show, definitely check out the podcast, Last of Us Nerds. And if you're a Laker fan, NBA fan, check out Silver Screen and Roll. Jacob, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. I loved it. If you guys want to watch more episodes of Running Up the Score, you can check us out on Twitter, X, uh, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And until next time, thanks for watching. <laughs>